Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. is underway on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Eugene Robinson going to be joining us at 2.20. Plenty of Carolina Panthers talk. Plenty of quarterback talk. The position series, the breakdown, it is going to start ending here. I do want to kind of go over the coaching staff just once more. And then also the front office, Scott Fitterer. And then we can go over the Salir Sulam, or, uh, Samir Suleiman, the capologist also for Carolina. I always get him mixed up with Rashid Suleiman. Remember Rashid Suleiman for Duke? Yes, I do. Yeah, Texas high school player, went over and played with Duke Blue Devils, and then kind of like transferred, I believe. One of the guys that was transferring before it was the hot thing to do, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he left early. Well, he had some issues at Duke that, I do, that, fought, that forced – he was forced out of the yes, program. I remember, yeah. yeah, I was about to say. So not Rashid Suleiman. We're not going to break him down. And then he went to Maryland. Duke's That's like, right. Yes, I was trying to think what team he transferred to. I which guess, is hilarious. Is there a bigger... I mean... And, it, and I think he played... I may be wrong on this. I think he played in a Duke-Maryland game for Maryland. But don't hold me to that. All right. Well, we're going to get a research team on it, which is basically just, you know, one half of me <laughs> as I try to host as well. But he did play at Maryland in 2015, 2016. He won a championship with him. I completely forgot about this. And is there a worse school to transfer to from Duke outside of North Carolina <laughs> than Maryland? We were just talking yeah, about this. Tough. I mean, I can't think of another bigger betrayal of a transfer than Duke to Maryland outside of a course of Duke, North Carolina, or maybe North Carolina, NC state, certainly within that realm. It's just really weird. They never go back to their footprint of New Jersey to go to like Seton hall or Rutgers. <laughs> all those players, all those players that play for the Duke blue devils. Mm -hmm. That's why it was kind of okay. That Willie P's hair turned out to be more of a Royal blue because you feel like he looks like a dookie. Yeah. Did we establish that? Like he looks like a dookie and then we established that you are a dookie. No, we did not establish that. Why did I? You're having a bad day, and yet I still came to you. I don't know why. I mean, we call you Walker Filipowski like all the time. No, you don't. You Even the guys in the hallway call you that. Why, why did I go to him? <laughs> I've got Wes right here, and yet I still went to you, and I only did it at my own self-deprecation. That was such a problem. I don't know why I did it. 704-570-9610. Um, maybe. Not right now. Maybe I'll tell you that after the show. Let's talk more quarterback with Carolina. And one of the questions, there was an ESPN article that had the biggest question for each of the teams picking in the top 10 of this NFL draft process. And one of the questions was, is it possible to sign a big name quarterback? If you're Carolina, Derek Carr, probably the QB in question and draft one at number nine overall, not later, not second round, third round, sign one in free agency and draft one at number nine. Dave, David Newton writes, everybody's favorite writer, David Newton writes, no, spending big on a QB in free agency is almost out of the question with the team's salary cap situation. The Panthers cap room currently ranks in the lower half of the league. 
in all likelihood, they will sign a veteran who has the potential to be a bridge at a backup price. And don't be surprised if the Panthers trade up into the top three or four picks to get their choice of QB. What do you make of that write-up? And would you be okay with this? You know, I, we, I don't know if we've got a definitive answer for you if we were to give you two options. I'm trying to turn the tables on me. Huh? Well, I'm just going to try to get a definitive answer. Yes, we've done go. this before on yes. this show. You get two options. You sign Derek Carr to, let's just call it $30 million a year. Okay. okay. You sign Derek Carr at that price, or you draft a QB. Which one are you taking? Because I know you like Derek Carr a Am lot I more than Am I trading up? You can tell me whatever you want to do. Either one of those. Are you drafting a quarterback in the first round, or are you signing Derek Carr if those were the only if two If this options? were my team, I would prefer... You want to you want to say what I want you to say, huh? That's exactly <laughs> no, no, what you no. I'm do. just thinking through it. If if this were my team, I would prefer they go up in the draft, get a quarterback that they're going to play day one, and then resign Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Which is same exact answer for me, and it makes the most sense financially. It's too. just the difference between us is I would be more than okay, like if this were my team, for them to sign Derek Carr and stay at number nine too. I'm okay with that scenario, but if I had a preference, it would be to go up in the draft and get a guy. It's just more exciting. It's exciting to go up in the draft. You make the trade, go up and get the quarterback that you want. Which is not lost on me, by the way, too. That would be very exciting. But you you are... And I want him to play immediately. No sitting. Well, but I'd be... I mean, I'd be okay with it. The only reason I'd be okay with it is because you can do the whole start Sam Darnold for a little bit and then make the transition. I hate that. I want to see the guy. I know what I've seen in Sam Darnold. I want to see the rook, unless he's just awful. But if he can come out there and be serviceable, I want him to play. But that's the problem, though. If you start your young QB and he's awful and you might have a shot to, you know, get into the NFC South with also still rebuilding for the future then maybe it is smart to start Sam Darnold. If it goes awfully so for him, then you can go to the rookie QB, right? You can't really do the reverse. You, you don't want to play with him. See, you don't I'm like, if, if you come out and you're trash again, that's just another high draft pick, another talented player you're going to add to the roster. Fair point. I mean, you got to be among the two worst to get Caleb Williams yeah. or Drake May. And maybe you like Bo Nix. But if maybe you get like- up in the top three to five the next season, mm-hmm. you could add another piece, a, a pass rusher opposite Burns, another... Great offensive tackle. Maybe you let Moten go or, uh, you know, something to supplement your team. I don't think you might rework Taylor Moten's contract. You know, I don't know if. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. No, 100 percent. No, I got you do something right. You do something. I mean, if you're sitting there in the draft and you have a top tier tackle sitting there in your face that you feel like has the potential to be way better than Moten, then maybe you could. No, it, you know, it doesn't Taylor Moten, like, I'm not trying to get you out of town. I'm just saying. That training camp interview is going to be awkward. <laughs> trying to kick Taylor yeah, Moten Yeah, I mean, if you, if you had a guy like, let's say the year, like you're Detroit, and you're sitting there and a guy like Panay Sewell sitting there for you. Well, I think the point is that I, I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about tackles in the top five this year. Last year you had Brought three. Next year. And, and maybe so, right? Yes, uh, your point is proven 100%, but ultimately... Even with our conversations about Derek Carr, like I, I think we both agree we would like yeah. to go trade up for that. Because after quarterback, I feel like you have to build trenches. You have to build those trenches up even more. Well, and with the offensive line, even if it is good, right? Like talk about above average. I think this is above average offensive line, but there's such a huge gap between what we've had this past season and what we've had before that. 
you know, it used to be awful. I mean, two years ago, it was maybe the worst offensive line in the league. That's how bad it was. And last year, it was just fine. So if you want to invest and continue to make it a strength, I'd be okay with that. But after you take care of the quarterback position. Fiddy, you had something that you wanted to talk about with the quarterback. Wes was discussing how exciting it would be to move up in the draft. I was just going to say, you usually see teams that that are so aggressive in trading up. Those DMs, their their jobs are usually on the line. We don't know where Scott Fitterer kind of stands right now. He's going to what his third full season as the GM. I, I think the fan base feels like he's okay, but we don't know inside the building what's that like. I, I wonder if, if they don't trade up and they stay at nine. Is that their way of, of, of Dave Tepper telling us that he likes what Fitterer is doing? Or if he does trade up to go get Richardson, Levis, whoever, maybe that's Fitterer saying, hey, my ass is on the line here. I got to get a quarterback. See, I think if it's if it's a GM doing that, I feel like if you're securing your job, that would give you even more cachet to be able to go up and make a move like that. If the owner trusts you and you're like, hey, I'm in a good spot. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to make this move. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know if I view any move as one that dictates how David Tepper feels about Scott Fitterer. Now, what you could do is if you're the GM and you think that your time is limited with said organization, who cares about future picks? Right? Like this is picks, baby. I'm in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in it for Carolina. I'm in it for my job. And you talked about all those bags for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, I'd like one of those bags too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to trade everything I can to go get my guy at QB. Cause ultimately you still have to bet on yourself and you have to bet on the QB being the right choice, but who cares about those future picks? If you're going all in now, it could end up biting you, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, you get fired. Then the other GM has to come in and deal with that problem. That is zero assets or certainly a limited amount. So I, that's what I'm interested in, but it does seem like Scott Fitterer is your GM. He's the guy with 51% control now over the roster. Mm -hmm. Was not the case with Matt Rule. I think David Tepper is giving Fitterer control. And Tepper is always going to be in the room of the meetings. I think for the most part, he lets Fitterer do his thing during these evaluations. But when it comes to the big decisions like QB, David Tepper has his fingerprints all over it. He was in the meeting with Derek Carr. We know about his pursuit of Deshaun Watson before Cleveland guaranteed all of the money and then he was out. I think the big decisions David Tepper is involved in, I think with who are you drafting in the third round? I mean, good God, I hope David Tepper's not involved in that selection. Yeah. And I think Scott Fitterer is. And so pretty cemented right now. Like I feel, I don't think he's on this crazy hot seat. If he doesn't perform this year, then maybe. Right. But as far as right now, I think it's decent standing with where he is in ownership. Yeah. I think Tepper's, you know, laying on the couch and asking uh, his wife, when she's going to make dinner because the oven is not on yet for Fitterer. But if they do not have a good season, then he will say, honey, I think it's time to preheat the oven because I'm about ready to eat. Yeah, about 375, 400, start warming that thing up. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you've done this cooking method before, uh-huh. but for Christmas, I bought my girlfriend a sous vide. Do you know what a sous vide no. is? It is a it sounds bougie. It is. It is. It is an instrument that you put into a you know a container of water, and then it heats up the water, and it cooks vacuum sealed, basically steak, salmon, whatever you want to put in there. So it holds in all of the juices, and you get a lot more control. And so when you talk about preheating it, it's very slow cook, right? So I feel like maybe he's not, you know, on the hot stove. Could you have Scott Fitterer being in the sous vide? <laughs> Wait a minute. So you take it. <laughs> I tried too hard with that. You take it and you, so it's got something that heats up the water. You mm-hmm. put the 
said so you vac- item in there. So, so yeah, so let's say you're cooking. Does a- it come with vacuum seals or something to vacuum seal said item? Um, no. Okay. So you got to get a vacuum sealer as well. Okay. And they're not crazy expensive, but you got to get one of those as well. So let's say we're cooking a piece of fish. And then you can put a piece of fish in the vacuum sealed bag. You can put in the marinade, whatever you want to do, right? Mm. And then it's a slow cook where it only gets up to, I could be mistaken, but like I think like 180. Okay. And then you cook it for a long time. Okay. But you do the whole set it and forget it thing and ooh, moist. Wow. So you. how <laughs> how long does it take? It takes a little while. It's pretty good, though. I mean, it's it's excellent, man. She cooked uh, pork medallions the other day. Okay. And they were the best pork medallions that she had ever cooked before. And it was the first time she used said instrument. So maybe Scott Fitter is in the sous vide right now. Maybe so. Maybe that's the way we put it. And they hadn't turned it on yet. Not not quite yet. Okay. But but once you start losing a few games at the beginning of the season, <laughs> yeah. that thing is certainly that's going. That's if the rookie that you draft is a bust. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 704 just texted in a laughing emoji I, that's probably a bad thing we can interpret that either way i'm sorry for trying to make sous vide <laughs> i mean you don't know what a jag is but sous vide you've got that down pat no 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 no. you're, you're a mysterious i never man. heard of that in my life a sous vide 100 percent. yeah that sounds okay hey, P. Big, big, big shout to granny pat walker that is a romantic gift i'm oh. jealous thank oh. you granny pat jack said sous vide cooking is awesome thank you now people know. I'm telling you, it's a real thing. Y'all need to go check it out. Yeah, also, that sounds dope. Also, what, what you said? Yeah. What made you? Are, are you seeing this dotted on a text? No, I'll look it up during the break. I want to give out tickets. Speaking of things you should be checking out, the Hercules Tire Big South Tournament Championship. It's taking place here in the city of Charlotte, and we are giving out tickets. And you can go on Sunday, the actual championship game. We'll be out there on Friday. I think Fiddy's going to be out there all weekend long. He's excited for some college basketball in the postseason. Just be the third caller. 704-570-9610. We'll hook you up with Hercules Tire Big South Tournament Championship tickets if you're the third caller at 704-570-9610. Eugene Robinson coming up next. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're back. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up, Garage Door Guru, text line 704-570-9610. Hit Wesson Walker on Twitter. Hit WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go back into the bank and talk about some Panther football from one of the greats of the defensive backfields of the Carolina Panthers. And you heard him previously on radio with those big calls getting you hyping your car ready to run through a wall i'm talking about eugene robinson here to talk panthers with us eugene how's it going today my man 
Man, I'm doing absolutely wonderful, man. How you guys doing? <laughs> We're doing great, man. And so the Panthers, a lot going on. They've been talked yeah. about a lot. National media as far as what they could do in different spots. So first, let's start off with uh, your assessment of this coaching staff. What do you think of some of the names and faces that have been brought in and this interesting mix of personalities that they have on this staff? Well, the first thing that you notice is that the, there's a lot of uh, Super Bowl pedigree on this team. I mean, you got Frank Wright, you got Coach Caldwell, you got uh, uh, the, what's the D coordinator name? I just uh, Ezra Evero. Evero, you got Evero, you got Cooley, who was on that on that on that staff with the uh, with the Rams. So you got a number of of guys who've already been in the mix who kind of have that pedigree, and that that's first of all. That is a game changer because you want someone that has Super Bowl experience if you're going to be taken over. Um, and then secondly, I've known Frank Wright for since 1986. He and I have been friends, and I've known that he's been a brilliant, a brilliant office of mine. And so, getting Frank Wright when they when they went to uh, when he played for Philadelphia, and he was the OC over there. Uh, he was really one of the the engineers of that of that team and then winning that Super Bowl with uh with uh with um when when Wentz went down and they they brought in the uh the other quarterback I forgot his name uh, but it, Carson Wentz it, and then Nick Foles Nick Foles and so but when you look at it it's the offensive coordinator when you get somebody who falls down in midseason and you got to take up the slack and you put in Foles your offensive coordinator better be he better be very very good well that was Frank Wright and so. I've known him as always being an offensive mind, a really good, sharp mind. And to know offenses, you have to know defenses conversely because you got to know how to be able to beat those. So I think that Coach uh, Wright, is, he, he's assembling a really good staff. And, and having Coach Caldwell, a guy who was already in the mix, a guy who's already been a coach, I think that's a wonderful addition to go ahead and add some even more experience, veteran experience to the team. And so – I think they got a good mix of young guys and a good mix of older men to go ahead and move this team forward. Eugene Robinson with us, Panthers, great. And so you talked about the quarterback situation, scouting combine happening this weekend. And so they had a meeting with Derek Carr yesterday in which David Tepper was a part of that meeting as well as Frank Wright. Eugene, what would you prefer for the Panthers to do a quarterback? Would you like for them to go out and get a veteran like Derek Carr? Would you like for them to maybe swing for the fences on a Lamar Jackson if they were able to put that together? Or would you prefer for them to go in the draft and either stay at nine or go up to get one of these top prospects? I think for me, I would want to. I would want to go ahead and get in the draft, um, and try to go ahead and get a prospect there. Um, you know, you you know that you have stability with um, uh, uh, with Sam Donald. He he played exceptionally well, or whether that's PJ in the background. So you you know you got some stability there. But I think that there's some really young good talent there, and I think the fact that if you do that as opposed to Getting a car, getting an Aaron Rodgers, getting someone who's older. Um, uh, I know they're a little bit more experienced. I think that you don't have that same shelf life that you would have with a younger guy, and I think that would also infuse this team. Don't forget, um, I remember when Patrick Mahomes came out. I was like, man, this dude right here is going to be a player. I said the same thing about Bryce Young. I'm like, hey, that Bryce Young ain't no joke, man. That dude is a player. That dude can ball. And so when I'm when I'm thinking about that, or you talking about C.J. Stroud. They got some guys in there that's 
that you could possibly move up to go ahead to improve your status. So I would be thinking that way. Of course, that's not my call. And I know that you have to entertain all the different prospects, and, and, and I, I, I get that. However, if I'm if I'm uh, Frank Wright or, or uh, Scott Fitterer, I would be looking maybe at the draft and trying to go ahead and solidify somebody in that in, 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 in that first round. Former Panther Eugene Robinson joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go into your area of expertise in the defensive backfield, Eugene. This is a team that has invested quite a bit in their secondary. They paid uh, a contract to Dante Jackson, spent a first-round pick in J.C. Horn, and traded for C.J. Henderson, even Stephon Gilmore before he left. Even with all that being said, how confident are you in the secondary moving forward? Would you like to see them make a move or two? here this offseason via the draft free agency? No, I think you have what you need in the secondary. Um, don't forget, you've got Xavier Woods, you've got Jeremy Chen, you have J.C. Horn, and then you then and you have Dante Jackson. Uh, Dante just needs to stay healthy. Uh, he's definitely accomplished. And think about this. That Tampa Bay game that we played uh, towards the end of the, of the year that we lost, we lost, really, we had a couple of guys in secondary, Taylor and C.J. Henderson, who weren't typically normal starters. All right, and now, now you now you put you let me put Jackson and let me put JC Horn in that mix going against Evans. I think it's a different outcome. I think Evans doesn't have 13 catches. I think that's totally different. I think the Panthers end up winning that game. So I think you've got what you need. Don't forget you got to uh, whenever you talk about coverage, it's always predicated upon the rush. I think we got a really good rush, and uh, Brian Burns and and Derek. I think we got some guys who can get to. Get to the quarterback, no doubt about that. On the back end, I think we're I think we're set. I would think more so at linebacker. Are looking to getting that marquee linebacker as the Panthers have been noted for for such a very very long time. Whether we're talking about Beeson, Morgan, uh, Sam Mills, slash uh, or Luke Keekley, we've always had a linebacker that was that guy. I know he's Shaq, but I'm not sure what Shaq's situation is going to be like. Eugene, what is the ceiling of J.C. Horn, the uh, eight overall pick from just a couple of drafts ago? Well, that dude can ball, dude. Ain't, ain't no joke. That dude, he, you know, he reminds me a little bit of um, of uh, uh, Darrell Revis because he, he he's able to stick with you. He's able to go ahead and and pester you. You know, uh, one thing that will change his game to a really high level is that when you focus on getting more interceptions, one thing I would tell him to do this off season is hey, just catch the ball. I would catch two, 300 passes a day. Get used to catching the ball so much that when you catch the ball in practice, that you don't even think about it. So, Because I think that's the next level, the next iteration that we'll see of J.C. is that not only can he cover, but when you can cover and be like a Mel Blunt getting interceptions, be like an Everson Wall, a Dave Brown, guys who I play with, um, Ronnie Lott, guys who can cover, uh, D.I., who can cover and get interceptions, you change the game. He has that capability of doing that. Dante Jackson has the capability of doing that. How you do it is you've got to catch the ball and you've got to inundate yourself for catching two, three, four hundred passes a day. Eugene, you're not going to slip that past me. I am looking at the all-time interception leaders, and you brought up Mel Blunt and Everson Walls, and those are just two of the names that you happen to be tied with on the all-time interception list with 57 picks. You kind of wanted to say J.C. Horn needs to be like you a little bit, didn't you? Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> my, my mentor, Dave Brown, who had 62 interceptions, he played corner. He passed away. 
play for the Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers. He always said to me, look what we're going to do. We're going to go out there and we're going to catch the ball. He said, if you want interceptions, you got to catch the ball. And so I would catch 200 passes a day. We would just catch the ball all the time. And so when I got in the game, I never thought about getting an interception or how I'm going to catch it. I just caught it because my fingerprints were used to catching the ball. My hands were used to handling the ball like quarterbacks and receivers. And when I got so comfortable, you know, getting 57 interceptions, I got 57. Then I got five in the playoffs. I was used to being around the ball and catching the ball. That's why I think some of these young guys may be lacking. They need to catch the ball 200, 300 times a day, J.C., because it will transform your game. And that young man, J.C. Horn, he ain't no joke. That dude right there can ball. He'll punch you in the mouth, and he can cope. Eugene, when you talk about this defense and Ezra Evero coming in and a lot of people people talk about him being an odd front type of guy as far as his base defense, but he's also a multi-front guy, does that change much for you guys in the secondary? And how many changes do you think this Panthers defense needs to make in, able, in order to be able to have a dominant odd front defense? Well, here's the, here's the thing what coaches have to go and make that determine. Typically what you do is if I got some really big dogs up front, my, my defensive front, my tackles, my one technique, three technique, the defensive tackles, then that may warrant me playing a 4-3. But if I got some beasts at linebacker, like who just can just get after it, you got Brian Burns to be a hybrid linebacker who can, who can also rush the quarterback, then now it may warrant me being an odd man front, a 3-4 defensive. So he's going to look at that to see what he has to see if it makes sense. That's going to be the very determining thing. Do I got some guys up front who can hold it down? And a three technique and a one technique, that's my defensive tackles. If not, if I don't, and I got more linebackers who can put more pressure, then that odd scheme makes much more sense. And then when you have an odd scheme, you don't know which linebacker may be coming. So that's another, uh, you know, that, that's a, another like perk that you have because you can, you can switch it up from one side to the other. So I think he's going to have a, a great choice here in the Carolinas because our defense was very, very good last year. We were very, very good. We were able to get sacks. We were able to stop the run. We were better on third down. We were really, really good. We slowed in the secondary a little bit, but I think with the advent of Jackson coming back in the mix and J.C. Horn back in the mix, I think that's showing up. And another thing I would do this, I would take Jeremy Chen and I would move him back into the role that we had him when he first got here, kind of being a hybrid safety, hybrid linebacker, hybrid corner. You just line up like Troy Palomalo and go eat. Eugene, and then turning to the offensive side of the ball, the second receiver, do you think Terrace Marshall is a guy that can continue to, to develop into that guy, or do you think the Panthers need to go out and find them a bona fide number two slash maybe even a number one caliber wide receiver in free agency trade or the draft? The problem I thought that we had last year was not our receivers. I thought it was squarely, as we saw with Baker Mayfield, TJ, Sam Donald, uh, I forget the other backup quarterback, and then the other kid who got hurt, Corral, who got hurt. You had four quarterbacks that, were, that, that played that entire season. You can't develop consistency like that. You always have to have one guy just running that show, and, and you have to develop chemistry. Well, now when you got that, that roving, maneuvering thing that's happening, that's why uh, Coach Wilkes went to the run. He went to the run because you, you can't bank on it. You can't, you can't predicate things on that. If we shore up the quarterback spot, 
Now Terrace Marshall, now DJ Moore, yeah, they get to go ahead and eat. Now you're going to get to see what those guys can actually really do because I thought it was hidden based on the the maneuvering of all the quarterbacks because of injury and play and et cetera, et cetera, that you didn't get it. And don't forget, Coach Reich is going to have an, a really good offensive line who can run the ball. That opens up the passing game, and that's what Coach Wilkes found out. That's why he was so successful towards the end of the season. He predicated on the run, said let's go ahead and eat with the run, and then we can go ahead and see what we can do with the pass. Eugene Robinson, Eugene Robinson, Panthers legend with us, gave us a football sandwich right there. Plenty of stuff for us on the Panthers. He called J.C. Horn Darrell Revis. I know that's going to spark some debate when this one gets off. Eugene, I love you, but I don't know if I can go with you on that ship. But, uh, <laughs> he, is a, he is a budding Darrell Revis. You watch. That kid can cover, and Darrell Revis can cover. Yeah, man. So we appreciate it, man. We'll be talking to you down the road. We love it. We want more of it, man. We'll be in contact down the road. We appreciate it, man. No doubt. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right, man. Eugene Robinson right there. A lot of good stuff that we'll be posting online. Plenty of good content. Wolfpack James wrote in, quote, he reminds me of Darrell Revis. I would pay to see Wes's eye roll when Eugene said that. (laughs) Casey Steve said, oh, no. Wes's head is about to explode after hearing that about J.C. Horn, LOL. AJ, we're not done. He wrote in, ha, 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 all caps, yes, Eugene, give Wes a lesson on what a great defensive back looks Fitty, like. Fitty saw it. He saw it and he oh, said, Darrell Reeves, my eyes got big. I was like, whoa. Oh, I'm sitting right in front of you. <laughs> I had those things were saucers, man. I definitely saw it. All right, man. Well, listen, we're up against a break, but before we do go to break here on the Wesson Walker Show and before we go to the last Last Fitty Flash of the day. Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff of some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Fitty, take us away. Well, guys, it is officially March, which means the best time of the year is here. Conference tournaments heating up. Of course, the ACC kicks off next week before we get to Selection Sunday in the NCAA tournament. But a team that we kept an eye on all season long, Queens, in their first year in the A-Sun, their season came to an end last night. But, Walker, they took Kennesaw State all the way down to the wire, losing by one point. Their season does come to an end, but safe to say a, a successful season for Queens in their first year as a D1 program. Yeah, I talked about Queens with some of my buddies and how they would fare at the Division I level. I always thought they would hold their own, and I kind of projected them to finish in the middle of the pack of the A-Sun this year as they make this transition to Division I basketball. They got better as the year went on, too. Kennesaw State is actually a team they upset towards the end of the regular season. Almost did it again in the A-Sun tournament. They hit a three 
They were down 67 to 66, and then eventually the time just ran out on them with three seconds left, I think, is when they were able to hit said three-pointer. But fantastic year, and, and big shout to Kenny Dye, man. What a crazy career. He's going to end with a ton of different records, all-time assist, all-time scoring, all-time starts. Fantastic career for Kenny Dye, so big shout to him. Yeah, man, big shout-out to them. Exciting season for them. And, uh, man, we look forward to having them more and talking about them more on this show. Yeah, Grant Leonard hopefully going to be joining us uh, next week in studio. I mean, really, you know, we'll see what he can do uh, coming in studio, but we'd love to talk to him more about it. That'll do it for Wesson Walker with Eugene Robinson. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. Coming up next, though, we're back to On This Day in Sports History. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Biggie. Biggie. Ending the show in a big way. Got Darrell Revis. Nice. First round pick, Darrell Revis. All right. Outside corner, according to Eugene Robinson. I wonder if he gave up 90 yards against the Lions because I don't think he gave up 90 yards to Randy Moss or Chad Ochocinco, all the guys he shut down. That was a team. Thing. Well, Randy, he didn't shut down Randy. Wasn't that he the, did shut down Randy. Wasn't that the thing when Randy had the one? He had that one play on him, Randy. and he explained that. But when you look at his guys who he choked out. To be honest with you, though, that's all I think about is the one-handed catch <laughs> from Randy. That's all I think about. Oh, okay. He Randy, lost him. Randy, he did. Randy Moss, Darrell Revis. That's like, he ain't Moss. J.C. Horn, I've never seen Randy do that to J.C. Point proven. Brian said, Revis, you say, all eyeballs emoji. Q said, so glad Eugene gave props to our shutdown corner. That's right. Shut down. Darrell, not the only yeah. one. Uh, let's go to some of the comments real quickly before this day in sports history. Because we've been hearing a lot from Frank Reich at the Combine. A lot of interesting stuff, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Scott Fitterer. Letting out the goods. Going to continue to do that, by the way, on the Kyle Bailey show coming up. So stick around from 3 to 6. Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig, Scott Fitter are going to be joining them. So again, make sure you listen to that interview. Some of the comments we have from Scott Fitterer right now. He talked about meeting with Jalen Carter earlier in Indy this week, but the team did not know about the situation with the fatal crash in Georgia. So there's just a meeting with Jalen Carter. This is all according to Joe Person's Twitter account, by the way, at Joseph Person. Fitterer told free agent running back Deontay Foreman he was a priority during his exit meeting in January. Mm. So we'll see about that. He he called Bryce Young chill. He's just chill. That was his comment on the composure. Here's a couple of interesting ones, too. He said needs other than QB, tight end, could use another wide receiver, fast linebacker, and safety if they play chin in the box. more tomorrow on Weston Walker on that one. That's kind of interesting to me. And then Shaq Thompson, he said, obviously his cap number's high. We'll figure it out. Finally, the last thing I'll say is that he said the Panthers will talk to Derek Carr again on Monday via phone. 
So out of all the comments, is it the Derek Carr one that's most interesting? Yes. So Derek Carr meeting with the Saints again, with the Jets again, and Carolina Derek Carr will be talking via phone on Monday. What do you make of that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're serious about it. Uh, they're serious about Carr, and I think there is a high probability that he could be a Panther. The need, the needs thing that that's pretty specific. Outside of just going with position, you know, tight end, fast linebacker, which Zach Thompson came out as a really athletic guy. Mike Tomlin, when he was talking about this Panthers linebacking core, he discussed how Shaq Thompson was great sideline to sideline. And so if you move on from Shaq Thompson or whether you discuss them restructuring the contract again, I think Shaq Thompson kind of talked about he'd be willing to do that when he was doing uh, a Twitter Q&A. So, you know, that's something to watch. But fast linebacker is kind of interesting to me. How much would that be useful in a scheme under Ajero Avero? I mean, that's that's a very general description. I mean, it helps. But, I mean, like I said, you have to be a man to play in the middle of that 3-4. You got to be a man to be a linebacker, period. So, let me, you know, say that. But just being in the middle of 3-4, there's a little bit more contact, uh, especially if you don't have the requisite nose guard in front of you and those five techniques aren't necessarily having a great day you're going to be dealing with a lot of angry 300 pound men getting there with bad intentions there's another old football uh, cliche for you (laughs) but yeah so I mean yeah you want a fast linebacker but you definitely want you know all the requisite attributes for a great linebacker you just want another bad behind linebacker in, in in that defense, plain and simple. So he said Deontay Foreman was a priority when Frank Reich spoke earlier today. He said that Bradley Bozeman is a priority, that he views Bozeman as a leader. I feel like if you were to give us a list of all of the free agents and you were to put a couple of the players towards the top of the hierarchy, I think it would probably be Deontay Foreman and Bradley Bozeman for the most part. Is there anybody? I mean, Sam Darnold is another one that you could be thinking of. If you had to choose, though, I saw Deuce Staley was talking about that Jamal Williams was going to be a free agent. If you had to choose between Williams or Foreman, which one would you want? I'd go Deontay Foreman. And Jamal Williams is is fine, too. I don't know if I'd have a real problem. He's fine. He's 17 touchdowns. He's fine. Look at how. He's fine. If you gave Deontay Foreman the football at the same exact spots that you gave Jamal Williams, Deontay Foreman would also have well, a ton of rushing touchdowns. It's my, just, they, look how many at the worth. Look, Jamal Williams, I'm not trying to disparage him, Wes. I'm just telling you there was a lot of touchdowns that came from the one-yard line. Look how many came from the one-yard line. There was a lot. I'd like to line you up in the backfield and give you the ball at the one and see how many times you get in. You know what? If the question was Jamal Williams or Walker Mail at running back, I would choose Jamal Williams. <laughs> but I ain't choosing <laughs> between me and Jamal. Yeah, no, one-yard touchdown is not. We watch it every Sunday. It's, it's a difficult task. Can Deontay Foreman do it? Yeah, he can do it. Okay, then. But he didn't have the numbers that... He because had. they weren't on the one-yard line, because the offense was way worse. <laughs> and they weren't in those situations a lot. I'm, you can have Jalen or Jamal Williams. That's fine. I, I'd be cool with it. You're trying to make something out of nothing with no, one you said yard he was like, he's fine. Like, I mean, fine is like five touchdowns. Like, I mean, hey, here you fine. go trying to put 30 running backs in the top 10 he's in the fine. NFL. I didn't put him in the top anything. I just said that the man deserves a little more respect after having a G and 17 tutties. I, I like Jamal Williams, too. You know, the, this is what sucks. I like Jamal Williams. If we want to compare, say he's fine. He, yeah, I'll take him. I'll take him. If they decide Jamal Williams over Deontay Foreman, cool. I'm down with it. But you ask me, so I'm telling you, Deontay, who would you rather have? I'll take Jamal Williams. Fair enough. And you know what? 
That is not something I'm about to get passionate about. A debate between Jamal Williams and Deontay Foreman. <laughs> Let's go to what happened on this day in sports history. It's back. Fiddy, what you got for us today? We're doing this before what's on tap. That kind of caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> we go back on this day in 1955. Allen Fieldhouse, home of the Kansas Jayhawks, hosted its first ever basketball game. And fittingly enough, the Jayhawks would beat their rival Kansas State 77-266. Is Allen Fieldhouse number one on your bucket list college basketball venues to go watch a game? Or would you rather go to Cameron, the Palestra, somewhere else? For me, just because of what it means to me, I'd rather go to Cameron. And certainly watch a North Carolina Duke game. I've not seen one in, you know, whether it be at the Dean Dome or whether it be at Cameron. I got to see North Carolina Duke in the ACC semifinal. It's the best college event I've ever attended. I put a top two or three, though. But, yeah, it, it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little Jamal Williams comparison. No, it's towards the top. <laughs> I'd rather go to Cameron, though. Never been. On this day in 1969, New York Yankees legend Mickey Mantle announced his retirement. Uh, he ha- he finished his 18-year career with 536 home runs, a 298 batting average, numbers that would have been higher had he not fought knee injuries throughout his entire career. And I put this in there because it was supposed to follow what's on tap. But on this day in 2001, Wes's hockey idol, Carolina Hurricanes center Ron Francis, <laughs> scored a goal on his 38th birthday in the Canes' 3-1 win over the Islanders to become the second player in the history of the NHL to score 50 points or more in 20 straight seasons. All right, let's allow that to transition into what's on tap. The Hurricanes at the King, 10 p.m. on TNT. So you're going to get this in L.A. with the Kings. Oh, no, I had it wrong. They're the the Golden Knights tonight, right? Yeah, they're the Golden Knights. Yeah, so that... That is on the rundown, and you did. I got it right on Monday, and then here I said was the Kings, and I was like, all right, well, I thought it was the Golden Knights, but I certainly didn't look it up. I trust my dynamic producer, so I might as well go with the Kings. You know, I put it in there to see if Wes noticed it was wrong on the document, and he didn't. No, but he's he's going to deflect and say that's our fault. That's no, I hadn't looked at the uh, the the what's on top. I forgot that that was coming back today. The this day in sports history, so I hadn't looked that far. So do you have any analysis for us on the Hurricanes, uh, Mr. Hopefully Wasaya? the Canes keep it rolling. They're balling out. You know what I'm saying? It's to the point where as a Canes fan, I'm just looking at the Bruins. That's the only team that I'm worried about as far as that could knock off the Canes once they get in the playoffs. All right, that's more hockey analysis than I am willing to give you, so we will certainly end <laughs> it there. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Again, keep it right here. Kyle Bailey going to have... Scott Fitterer on to talk about all of the comments that he just shared in Indianapolis, plus some more. Maybe we can get some inside scoop with Scott Fitterer joining WFNZ in just a moment. Three to six, the Kyle Bailey Show, of course, alongside Smoke Ludwig. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be back with you tomorrow.